Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. If you will open your Bible or your Bible app or the Pew Bible that's in front of you and open it to Paul's letter to the church at Galatia, Galatians chapter 6. We're reading our scripture this morning from verses 1 through 16 in the 6th chapter. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use to write you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised so they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of Christ our Lord Jesus, though through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the Israel of God. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious Lord, we ask your blessing. We ask your blessing on us gathered here to the next hour that your spirit might be poured out over each of us in worship today. Whether worshiping here in this space or worshiping elsewhere connected by technology, that your spirit would be poured out over each of us. That that spirit would open our ears, that we would hear your words clearly, open our eyes, that we would see you clearly open our hearts that we would know your presence with us. But in the midst of that spirit poured out over us, may it transform our lives 
So we leave this time together, not as mere hearers of your word, but as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. It's about four or five years ago, I was leaving annual conference up at Lake Junaluska and getting ready to get on the interstate. As I pulled up to the stoplight right there at the ramp, there was a car in front of me. And right smack in the middle of the tailgate was this bumper sticker. It says, do you follow Jesus this closely? Now, I'll admit, I had to be up close to read it because I read bumper stickers. They kind of intrigue me. But I sat there and I thought about it and I thought, here's this person put this bumper sticker on there hoping to admonish people to back off if they were tailgating them down the interstate or in town or wherever. But I thought about those words, do you follow Jesus this closely? And I've just come from the great holy annual conference with a whole bunch of Methodist ministers and I thought, wow, what convicting words for me for my colleagues, but for all of us. Do you follow Jesus this closely? Those words hung with me for a hundred miles for four or five years until we started this series. Do you follow Jesus this closely? See, when Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, it's, he's really writing similar similar statement to them. See, there's a church in Asia Minor, and there's a little controversy that's going on as he's writing this letter, because right there in Asia Minor, it's mostly a church of Gentiles, non-Jews, who have heard the gospel message and have said, I want to follow. But there are a few Jews in the group that want them first to be converted to Judaism before they can go to Christianity, and that means circumcision so there's this controversy. To be a real follower, you have to be circumcised. And Paul's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a gospel of grace. What matters is not checking the boxes. What matters is the content of your heart, how you live your faith. So this gospel of grace that Paul is writing about in Galatians, he's writing about it. It's not just the foundation. It's not just a theological doctrine. It is the foundation of our faith. It's what he's trying to tell them they need to practice. It it's emphasizes it's how the church is to be as a body of believers, how they are to live their lives, how they are to look outward upon the world. So just some of the verses that sort of speak to this that I just read, carry one another's burdens, seek every opportunity to do good to all people. I boast in the cross of Christ, meaning I receive this grace of salvation. And what counts is this new creation, the church, a life in Christ. That's what he's trying to tell them. So in other words, what he's really saying is what matters most is how closely we follow Jesus Christ. Do we follow close enough that we could read the bumper sticker? Your proverb is, are you covered in the dust of your rabbi? What following means examining Christ. 
examining Christ's life, looking at it and what it really means and how Christ lived, and do we adopt that way? Thomas Akempis, the monkey, wrote that's the book, Imitation of Christ. John Wesley was talking about this idea of going on to perfection where we are trying to be in that right relationship where everything that we do, we think about it. And are we doing what Christ would want us to do? All the way up, fast forward to just that simple wristband that we wore 10, 15, 20 years ago. What would Jesus do? See, that's about following Christ. That's what Paul is writing about. So this idea of us following Christ is really about us having the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the mission of Christ. And not only just having those things, but practicing them in our daily life, in everything that we do, from the time that we rise until we go to bed in the evening, if we are following that closely, we have the mind, the heart, and the mission of Christ always in front of us, always at our fingertips. So as we think about that, the first step is to think about this idea of the mind of Christ. And it's not simply thinking, well, what would Jesus think or what would Jesus do? No, it's really about a deeper understanding. It's about digging deep and to think about what matters most to God. And that becomes the forefront of what we think about and what drives how we act and what we do. What matters most of God. It's about using our mental gifts of logic and reason and experience and awe to really understand the magnificence and the glory, not only of God the creator, but God the redeemer and God the sustainer. To begin to realize that what Christ did in his earthly ministry would show us the ways to cultivate this closeness, this one-on-one relationship with God who loves us most. So we begin to cultivate that relationship. To have the mind of Christ means to cultivate it through prayer where we ask the questions and we listen, where we pour our hearts out, where even we don't know what to do with things, we just say, God, I don't know, and we listen. But it's also to open this book up. Not to let it just be something that we come in here on Sunday mornings and when I tell you where to turn, we turn and read it, but to really spend time in it to read it and say, what does this text say to me today? What stands out? How does it speak to me? How can I use this fragment of scripture that I've read? How can I use this in my daily life? How does it make a difference in me or how can I use it to make a difference in the world around me? See, when we begin to ask those kinds of questions, we're doing what Leslie Weatherhead talked about in seeking the will of God. Seeking God's wisdom and the things that vex us and the things in the world around us. See, having the mind of Christ is making a conscious decision to follow. It means putting our hands to the plow and looking forward towards Jesus, towards God, towards the cross, towards the kingdom of heaven, and not looking back to our past. Our past is behind us. We can learn from it, but we don't need to dwell on it because the future is in front of us, and that's where we're headed. I think about Isaac Watts when he penned that hymn, I'll praise my maker while I have breath. 
And what that hymn is really about is it's about praising God as long as we live, about looking forward and not letting the world's, the world's pursuits occupy us, but the kingdom pursuits. Those things that God wants for us. It causes us to think about Jesus' ministry and say, if I put my hands to the plow and I'm going to follow you, then that's what I'm going to focus on. And I'm going to let the world's mandates, the world's pressures, I'm going to let those fall by the wayside because what matters most are the kingdom preferences. How closely do we do this? How closely do you follow with the mind of Christ? How closely do we lead with the mind of Christ in the world around us? As we begin to unpack that and begin to think about how we want to make changes in our lives, we also begin to realize it's not enough just to have mind, but we've also got to have heart. To have the mind of Christ is great, but we also need to have the heart of Christ. I mean, Christian faith, Christian discipleship, it's a theology of the heart. That's what it really is. I mean, United Methodists, we are heart people. John Wesley talked about his heart strangely warmed to realize that Christ had died on the cross for him, but that never left his ministry, this idea of the heart. And if we look at Jesus' ministry, if you took, took the Gospels and you, took a, if you took, an, took a Bible and you took a piece of paper and a, or took some scissors and you cut out all the stories and you arranged them where he was healing people and he was speaking to the outcasts and he was doing this and he was doing and sort of tried to come up with like-minded stories. What you'll find at the very bottom of them when you reduce them down in its totem, it was a gospel activated by the heart. It is good news about love that there's a God in heaven that loves you and me just the way we are. He wants best for us. God wants the best for us, but God is patient with us as we try to be better. That hymn that we sing when we do baptize babies, when we sort of after we baptize, we're waiting for them to come forward and as they go back to their seats, Jesus loves me. It's number 191 in your hymnal. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong. They are weak. He is strong. You know, we think about that in terms of children, that opening stanza, but it's really about us. We are the little ones as well. Jesus loves me, this I know. He loved me so long ago. Taking children on his knees, saying, let them come to me. He was always talking about let the people come. Yes, the children, but also us. Still walking with me on my way, wanting as a friend to give light and love to all who live. See, it's a ministry of the heart. Look at how he loved the world around him. Look at what he did. He talked to the woman at the well that no one else would speak to. He spoke to the homeless person on the street corner, to those that were struggling with depression, the one that was outcast from their family, the one that wanted to get life right, to do everything by the numbers. He spent time with the ones that were struggling with the questions, much less who understood the answers. He sought out those who were running from God. He even spent time with the person who had the perfect 
Facebook posts, the perfect Instagram pictures, but underneath whose life was a complete shamble. See, Jesus spent time with us, spends time with us. The heart of Christ cuts through the noise, it cuts through the camouflage, through the lipstick, through the concealer of our world, and it says, it's okay. You are okay just like you are. I love you because you're my child. I will help you. I'll show you the way. I care about you. See, the heart of Christ sees people just as they are, right where they are, and says, you matter, and you are the most important person to me. When we have the mind of Christ and we develop that heart of Christ, the world cannot help but notice, right? How clearly, how closely are we following Christ? Does the world see Christ's heart through ours? But once we have the heart and the mind of Christ in our possession, once we begin to understand that, once we begin to really follow that closely, we need to go the rest of the way. We need to take up the mission of Christ. I mean, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus begins his earthly ministry. He goes to his home church. He goes to the synagogue, and he rolls out the scroll. And they ask him to read, and he reads from Isaiah 61.1. And these are the words he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, and to proclaim that the year of the Lord's favor has come. Isaiah wrote those words, but they were intended for Jesus, and when he rolled that out, we now begin to understand this is Jesus' mission. For take Isaiah 61.1, and we're to stick that on sort of the top of a whiteboard, and then tried to write down everything that Jesus did in his mission. It was all of those things. Guess what, my friends? If we have the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ and we want to take on the mission of Christ, then we need to do those things too. That becomes our mission. So does it mean that we're supposed to heal the wounds of the world? Yes. Does it mean that we're supposed to play for everyone to win? Yes. Does it mean that we're supposed to feed people? Yes. Does it mean that we're supposed to invite people into a relationship with Christ? Yes. Does it mean that we're supposed to seek peace? Yes. Does it mean that we are to build relationships without judging others? Yes. See, that's grace. That's what the mission of Christ was all about. It was about grace. It was about changing the world so the world saw that we were blessed, that we had what we needed, and to look forward to the kingdom. Henry Nouwen wrote, To pray, to listen to the voice of one who calls us beloved, is to learn that the voice, that that voice excludes no one. See, the mission of Christ is an inclusive mission. It's to go out in the world, not just in this room, to go outward and to look and see people and invite them in and invite them into that story of love and grace. It means taking the heart and mind of Christ and wading into the messiness of the world around us 
and helping clean it up. What do I mean by that? Think about some of the society and societal issues that we face on a daily basis. If you open up the social principles of the United Methodist Church, see sort of how our, church, how our denomination speaks to some of these issues. But what I love is what we write at the very beginning of the social principles. That we're to always and consistently offer words about the sacred worth of all humans and the role that the church plays in the world around us. See, the gospel that we proclaim calls us to extend grace, love, and sound advice and an open heart to those who feel themselves in the midst of confusion and despair. See, when we have the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ, and we wade into the messiness of the world armed with those two things, the mind and the heart, when we're following Christ that closely, the world cannot help but notice that something good is happening right in our midst, that miracles upon miracles are happening, that the kingdom is being built one block at a time. Just a few months ago, I pulled up to the stop sign, or stoplight again. There was a car in front of me. It had a different bumper sticker, kind of related. It said, I'm not tailgating, I'm drafting. Now, what bothers me about this bumper sticker is you would feel like that if I'm behind you, I don't need to know what you're doing. But the car in front of you that you're riding up on the bumper should see that. So I feel like it should be written in reverse and on their hood, but neither here nor there. This whole idea of drafting, any of you that follow auto racing, NASCAR, that kind of thing, drafting is when one car is going like this and the other car is right behind it nose to tail. Now these are professional drivers and they do pretty well with this most times. And when they do that, because they're dividing the air, it's a whole bunch of physics and aerodynamics and stuff, but when they're dividing the air, the cars go a lot faster with a lot less energy. Which means as they work their way through the pack, at some point, they can slingshot around everybody and hit the gas at the same time and go flying through the finish line. Think about this idea of drafting. And I think, gosh, what if we were drafting Jesus? What if we were following so closely Jesus that we were cutting through the air, we were cutting through the problems, that we were following so closely that with the mind and the heart and the mission of Christ that it looked like we were tailgating Christ? Think about what the world would see. The world would see us praising our maker while we had breath. The world would know that Jesus loves me, not just because the Bible tells me so, but because we tell them so, we show them so. And that we would declare that the favorable year of the Lord had come. In the midst of that draft, we would slingshot to the front of the pack we would show the world what the kingdom could look like and God would be glorified right in our midst. And the world would know that we were not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And the world would be changed in that very instant. So do you follow Christ that closely?
with the mind and the heart and the mission of our Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.